Are there any players on the Dolphins 2023 roster that have a chance to be next year's version of Mike Gusecki, a player that you have a chance to move on from that you may ultimately regret not taking? That is the exploration for us here today on today's episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. If you're not familiar with me, you're new to the show, welcome lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. And uh, we have been working towards our off-season blueprint content, which is coming next week. One of the things that has come as a part of doing the off-season content prep work in which I present my proposal for all free agents to be signed a mock draft, a 53-man roster, salary cap implications of all of those maneuvers, is I've been looking at the players that have the upcoming contract expirations and wanted to ask myself if there were any players who stand the chance to be for the Dolphins next offseason, what Mike Gusecki is this offseason. And you know, to be to have the conversation around Mike Gusecki, obviously Mike was here for a significant amount of time. He played five seasons in Miami. And he was a very productive player. He's one of the most productive tight ends in the history of the franchise. And that came in spite of an underwhelming fifth year playing on the franchise tag and a very underwhelming rookie season. He had a three-year stretch in which he was a consistent staple of the Dolphins offense. But the Dolphins paid him and put him on the franchise tag this year. And they had aspirations of trying to assimilate Mike into a role that complemented what this offense has historically done as a Shanahan wide zone based offense uh, with Mike's skill sets. And it didn't work. And then you had two players in Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill who dominated the passing volume. And the areas of the field that Mike Gusecki historically won in, those players performed at a higher level in and therefore took the passing volume in those areas of the field as well. So what you had was a player who played on an $11 million fully guaranteed contract who did not play the featured role in the offense that you would expect for a player who was playing on the franchise tag. And the Dolphins have reportedly, we'll never know how far any level of trade talks got, but it has been reported several times along the past 18 months or so that the Dolphins had fielded calls for Mike Gusecki. The team obviously never found an offer they felt was worthwhile, and they kept Gusecki in-house. Well, now you're poised to lose Mike in free agency, get nothing for him. You lost the $11 million in extra salary cap space, which... Uh, the salary cap, if you don't use it, you don't lose it. You can roll it over year over year and buy yourself more salary cap space. 
And for me personally, if the Dolphins could have had one mulligan from this past offseason, it would have been retaining Mike Isecki on the franchise tag. To get some level of compensation for him when you really dial up what he was for the offense in this iteration of the offense, the long-term flexibility that would be in place by having a different player in that position and not having that commitment for the full year, it really does hurt. Um, it's it's something I certainly would have a chance to do over. Uh, and not to bemoan too much of Mike Gusecki, because today's episode of the show is more focused on who's under contract for 2023, who could be a player that you get to the end of the road and look back and say, man, maybe we should have flipped this player. I don't think there's any players under contract for 2023 that are expiring players that are going to be held in this discussion that I don't think are good players or that you would want to continue to have as members of your football team. The challenge for Mike is a unique one because it's skill set versus opportunity. I don't think there's skill set versus opportunity conflicts with any of the players that we're going to be talking about. And I want to say that again. Mike's conflicts, finding the role within the offense to justify the price, is not equal to the correlations for players that I found to have this conversation. But there is a simple calculus that you can't pay everyone. You can't pay everyone. And the Dolphins uh, have fifth-year option decisions to make for this upcoming year, including one that's worth $23 million. And you extend beyond that, and it's probably pretty safe to say that the the fifth-year option of your other two first-round picks isn't going to get exercised. But then a year after that, you're going to have fifth-year options to exercise for a couple years down the road for Jalen Waddell and for Jalen Phillips. Tyreek Hill has a big money uh, salary cap hit for 2023, $31.5 million. Teron Armstead, $21 million. Christian Wilkins, $10 million. Emmanuel Agba, $17. Bradley Chubb, $22. Jerome Baker, $12. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, $10 and $18.5. And now the Dolphins will move on from some of these players for sure. But the big eye-opening part of the exercise of doing the multi-year salary cap outlook with an off-season blueprint, with all suggested transactions and signings for the offseason. I can get 2023 to look however you want it to look. I can backload deals and I can restructure contracts. But this blueprint only really works if it's a sustainable model. Right? So you you can you can restructure Bradley Chubb and Tyreek Hill and you can extend Christian Wilkins and Connor Williams, and you can uh, find trade partners, hypothetical trade partners for Emmanuel Agba and Cedric Wilson, and you can post you one Byron Jones, and you can get the Dolphins to $55 million in cap space, cut Keon Crossan and Durham Smythe, and, and then you can backload all the contracts you want and say, well, the Dolphins are going to sign Jordan Poyer and Isaac Siamalu and 
uh, Hayden Hurst and uh, Trey Pipkins and Raheem Mostert and Tremaine Edmonds or uh, Alex Anzalone or so on and so forth. Okay, I think I've exhausted some of the names that I've been looking at and studying, and and I didn't tip my hand there for off-season blueprint. So just get ready for next week. Um, you can make it look however you want, but if the implications are now for 2024, you're 50 million dollars in the hole before you make any transactions, and you only have 35 players under contract. It ain't gonna work, and that's not a proposal. That sure, the New Orleans Saints do it. But I don't think it's a coincidence that the New Orleans Saints roster has gotten incrementally worse for about four consecutive years now. I'm talking about the salary cap being fake all you want. And yes, you can manipulate it. Yes, you can weaponize it. Yes, you can twist it in the wind and get it to do your bidding. But you have to do it to a certain degree. And too much of anything is a bad thing. And the Dolphins have some new wave things that they're really just starting to tap into as far as void years and manipulating cap money in that way. And they'll be able to open that up. But it's important to know that we're going to get down to a calculus here where we're going to have to count out some names and say, look, we're probably not going to be able to sign all you guys to second contracts with the Dolphins. And that's the hard decision that we're going to have to look at and say, who are those candidates? And what is their probability of having long-term success here? And what is the opportunity cost of signing them versus somebody else? So we're going to actually name the names next here and explore who those expiring contract players are that the Dolphins might have to make a choice on one long-term and then ask yourself, is there an opportunity here to get compensation for this player that you might look back on and regret not taking if you don't take it this offseason? That's next on the show. But next, I got to tell you about our new sports book partner here on Locked On. It's the midway point of the NBA season. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, everything in between. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlays, so don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. That's FanDuel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay. So we have our salary cap table. I have it up in front of me here. And it does a couple of different things for us. Tried to base off of uh, the, the new television deal. Uh, obviously, they, they're replacing DirecTV. It's a fist pump in there if you didn't see it. <laughs> for Sunday ticket. That means there's, there's going to be a lot of new money coming for... The, the NFL teams in rev share, a.k.a. rev share equals higher salary caps. The projection, it's about $17 million in growth for the next five seasons is what I was able to find online as a projection. 
So we're going to operate within the assumption that by 2027, we're going to have about $293 million salary cap. Okay. This year it's $224 million, $800,000 is your salary cap. So then it goes to 24 or effectively 242, 259, 276, 293. Okay. And there's only one player who is currently under contract. Eh, yeah, one player with an asterisk on a second player. There's two players that have contract or cap commitments for the Dolphins through 2027. Bradley Chubb, who just signed the contract extension, and Xavier Howard, who has a void year in 2027. So he's under contract through 2026. There's like $3 million in cap space because they used the void year to bump out some of the uh, signing bonus. Um, so they're scheduled to have a $3.6 million scheduled dead cap hit for Xavier Howard even after his contract expires. That's what four years do. So the players that are under contract for 2023, expiring for 2024, Alec Engel, fullback, Braylon Sanders, uh, restricted free agent though, he's a second-year player, Durham Smythe and Seaton Carter, Austin Jackson, we're assuming that will not be a fifth-year option exercised with this player. Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Lester Cotton. Uh, Robert Jones also, but he's a restricted free agent. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Jalen Twyman, Josiah Bronson, okay. You have Trill Williams, who will also be a restricted free agent. Noah Igbenogany with a fifth-year option. Brandon Jones. Blake Ferguson. Those are the names. So, the names that pop to me, because to, to qualify for this Mike Gusecki hypothetical, you have to be a valuable player. You have to be an impact player. You have to be a starting caliber player. So the, unfortunately for Noah Benogany, like Noah Benogany doesn't qualify for this conversation, just like Jalen Twyman and Josiah Bronson don't qualify for this conversation. Because the, the, the question is, who's a player you might have to choose to let go next offseason that you might regret not pursuing compensation for this spring because you get something meaningful for them? So the names that come up to me, like Alec Ingold, I don't think anybody's trading fullbacks. He's not a, a cost-prohibitive player anyway. Smythe and Carter, or Seath and Carter, no, no thank you. It's Robert Hunt. It's Connor Williams. It's Christian Wilkins. It's Zach Sealer. And it's Brandon Jones. Now, I think Brandon Jones is probably a tough one for this conversation because your trade compensation in the spring that you might look back on with hindsight being 20 and 20 and say, man, maybe we should have moved something for this is uh, a player who's coming off of a season ending injury. And Brandon's rehab looks like it's going well. And, but I don't think you're going to get an offer that would really make you sweat. Asking, Hey, is Brandon Jones in a contract here with a $3 million cap hit? Oh, is an offer for him more valuable than keeping him for the year and, and potentially letting him walk. 
I think because of his the conditions of his injury, he's probably not a part of this conversation either. Which leaves you with four names, all on the interior. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Robert Hunt, and Connor Williams. And I again, I want to be abundantly clear. I don't want to move any of these dudes. I want all these dudes to be here and be a part of the puzzle. Because they can all play. They're all listed and, and scored as at least quality starters. I have Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, and Zach Sealer as quality starters, and Christian Wilkins as a franchise cornerstone player. I mean, these are, these are four meaningful players. And this time last year, Mike Kosecki probably would have been listed as a quality starter. If not, he'd have been an adequate starter and been an upper-tier quality starter for the team. So those are the four who I think are in the, the discussion here of a player who's in a contract year, you might receive offers for, that you will have to decide if the offer is more valuable than potentially the last year of the player. So in order to qualify you know, who has the best chance of being the Mike Kosecki hypothetical, you probably need to identify which one has the least likely chance of being back. Christian Wilkins is on his fifth-year option for $10.7 million right now. Connor Williams is in the second year of a two-year contract that is worth $8.4 million in 2023. Played a new position last year. Robert Hunt is a second-round draft choice who's been a three-year starter for the Dolphins, is their most consistent offensive lineman because he's more available than Teron Armstead, and he is in a $3.8 million final year of his rookie contract. Zach Sealer is in the final year of his deal, and it is worth $3.225 million. The one who pops to me is Sealer, because Sealer's the best steal of all the players. Sealer's also now represented by Drew Rosenhaus, which did not always be the case. And it's already been mentioned on South Florida radio that Sealer is looking, or I should say Sealer's camp is looking to get his, his pay aligned with his performance. And there's no question, if you look at values for this team and you're disqualifying players on rookie contracts, Zach Sealer's probably the best valued player on the Dolphins in favor of the Dolphins for performance, Versus pay. So the question is this. And this is why I, I, I tend to lean towards one of the defensive tackles being the player who qualifies as the potential hindsight 2020. Oh, he's, he's not going to be here moving forward long term. Is there a trade value that we should have considered in the spring of 2023? Because in your offensive line... You have three players under contract beyond 2023. Teron Armstead, Keon Smith, and Liam Eikenberg. Now you've got some control options there with Austin Jackson with a fifth-year option that you'll have to decide this year. No, thank you. And Robert Jones is a restricted free agent for 2024. But I think about Robert Hunt and Connor Williams, and you've only got one big contract on the offensive line. 
as currently stands. That's a long term, longer term contract. Now, I do think that changes the argument for free agency. I think it, it becomes suddenly a very hard sell to say, oh, let's go sign Isaac Siamalu to $13 million per year and go sign a veteran offensive tackle for 10, Mike, let's go sign Mike McGlinchey for $13 million a year. And then we'll just re-sign Robert Hunt and Connor Williams. Well, no, if you bring both of those guys in, it's probably, you're probably operating in the assumption that both Hunt and Williams are in the last, their last years in Miami. You can't, this is, the dollars don't line up to have five 10 plus million dollar players in your offensive line. And that's not to say I think Connor Williams and Robert Hunt each get $10 million plus, but Connor Williams at eight and a half, which is what is he's owed against the cap this year. That's probably going to be his strike. So Robert Hunt would not be surprised if he's an eight and a half million dollar year player. So I think you can fit three big money contracts on your offensive line. So extending both of those guys, I think, is on the table. Where you look over on the defensive side of the ball, and you've got Byron Jones' contract will come off the book, so that'll help a little bit with flexibility. But you've got Emmanuel Agba, who you got to get rid of that contract, or you got to keep Emmanuel Agba and restructure that contract, or you got to keep it and take a big fat L on or you hope he's back to the player that he was previously in spite of a scheme change. You've got Bradley Chubb, long-term contract. You're going to have Jalen Phillips in uh, three years. So in 2020, not 2023, not 2024, his 2024 hit is about $4.5 million. 2025, that fifth-year option year. From that point on, he's a big-money contract. Okay, there'll be a big-money contract for the Dolphins. So now you've got Chubb, Phillips, Agba, and potentially both Wilkins and Sealer. I mean, you just start doing the math, and it's like you know, we we're talking five big money contracts on the defensive line. I, I don't think that's probable. I don't. So the challenge is between Wilkins and Sealer, what's the expected cost of each? What would each one of them net you in a potential trade? And is that potential net in trade more valuable than having the player on the team for another year in the con in their contract year and then potentially letting them walk. There is, of course, the um, compensatory pick formula to be considered here. Although I don't know how much that's going to be in play for the Dolphins depending on how aggressive they position themselves to be in 2024 and free agency. Now, if they get to a point and they say, well, we're kind of a glass ceiling team and we'll sign a bunch of one-year contracts for players and uh, they're, they're all going to be two, $3 million a year players, but the nucleus is the nucleus, then yeah, you could probably let either Christian Wilkins or Zach Sealer walk and get a compensatory pick that's meaningful for the 2025 offseason. Remember, compensatory picks don't come the same year. They come the year after. But the Dolphins, historically, have not been a hands-off in the first wave of free agency, let everybody else get the big-name players, and then we'll go bargain bin shopping. Now, they did that in 20... Was it 2020... Uh, 
They did it to some degree last year. I remember everybody suggesting that Chris Greer was sleeping on the job. And then he came out and signed Teron Armstead and traded for Tyreek Hill. So I certainly hope that that uh, sticks with everybody and there's a little bit more patience in the early waves of the first couple days of free agency because I do think the Dolphins got some good value players. And even Teron Armstead was an incredible value for the Dolphins. Um, but I think Zach Sealer's probably the one that is facing the largest increase. And that's the player that I think the Dolphins should at least be receptive to hearing offers. Because you're going to have impact players up and down this line anyway. You've got three roster cornerstone caliber players between Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and Christian Wilkins on the line. Does Christian Wilkins net you a one with a trade offer versus Zach Sealer netting you a two or a three? Probably. Christian Wilkins is probably going to cost somewhere around $17 to $18 million per season, where Zach Sealer is probably a $12 to $13 million player season, next contract type player, probably. So now the, the, the question is, okay, like if, if you were going to entertain an offer for either one of these guys, and again, can't say this enough, this is a hypothetical trying to find a player who you would look back on hindsight and feel the same way you did about Mike Gusecki, understanding that there's not a scheme translation issue like there was with Mike, but there is a cost issue of long-term having too many big money contracts that you don't feel comfortable paying all in their entirety. And if that's the case, is there a player who would have to walk? I don't want to get rid of any of these guys. But I'm worried about the realistic outcomes of keeping all of them. So is saving... Well, I guess if you traded Wilkins, you'd say that it's a, it's a fully guaranteed fifth-year option. So the new team would acquire that. There's no signing bonus that's left. And you'd get you'd get a one for Christian. I would assume you would get a one for Christian. For Zach, you got to give him the new contract. So that's an extra layer. Um, and you probably get a two. So is saving $12 million and getting a two more valuable than saving $18 million and getting a one for Christian? And is either of those more valuable than keeping the players under contract as is? I think... I think I think keeping the players is the obvious way to go because I've already said I don't want to move on from any of these players. But the question is how assertive Sealer's camp is that he needs a new contract and will not and whether or not he would play in 2023 on the final year of his current deal. And there's the the reason I didn't mention names like um Javon Holland or Jalen Waddell or like any of the big, big, big players that would probably net you a crazy return uh, is they are multi-year rookie contract players. Those are gold. You got Pro Bowl caliber players, all pro caliber players with several years left on a rookie contract. You're stealing. If I had to guess you could probably get a two for Zach Seal to a competing team. 
I had to guess you get a one for Christian Wilkinson. If I had to guess on the offensive line, Connor's now shown the ability to play both guard and tackle, but he's a bigger cap hit. So Robert Hunt's probably the more valuable, excuse me, Connor's shown the ability to play center and guard. Robert's shown the ability to play guard and tackle, and he's less than half of the cap commitment for this upcoming year. I think Robert would probably be a more valuable piece for other teams to pursue than what Connor Williams would. I don't think I could move any of these guys, and I'd be willing to live with the consequences. And I think what's an important note with that as we bring this to a close is this time last year, I was a proponent, along with many people that I know and I have great respect for, of trying to move on from Mike because you saw the writing on the wall. Now, I see the, I, I know Robert Hunt and Connor Williams will fit in this offense because they played it last year. And I have all the confidence in the world that Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, as guys who played a ton of snaps last year, are going to translate to this defense, even though it's a new defensive scheme. I don't have the scheme concerns, and therefore, there are no players that I would identify as being probable players who are in the shoes that Mike Gusecki finds himself in now as a player who's set to hit the market, played the last year of his deal. The team had offers for him that's been reported a number of times. The team chose not to take the offers, and the team may ultimately look back and say, oh, well, maybe we should have taken so-and-so's offer. I don't think any of these players qualify for that. If you had to find the one who I think can, the conditions are most parallel to, it's probably or, or has the most overlap, not even parallel. There's the most overlap. It's probably Sealer because he's such a value for the team with his contract. But that value is going to come at a cost because you're going to have to pay him in line with what he's worth. But with Wilkins getting a deal, and I would pay Wilkins overpaying Sealer. The Agba contract until you negotiate and get out of that one. The Bradley Chubb deal. The pending Jalen Phillips contract is a long-term one. I just think you have enough big contract assets tied up in that defensive line room. I think he's the one that's most likely to have to find a home somewhere else for cost purposes. Hope you guys enjoyed. It's Combine Week. Believe it or not, I made it 31 minutes on the show without mentioning the NFL Combine, so that's uh, that's got to be worth something, right? Uh, we uh, we will have all the reactions from the Combine. Mike uh, McDaniel will speak with the South Florida media on Tuesday, uh, so we'll get a chance to react to his thoughts as well. We're going to outline some player performances to, to keep an eye out for at this year's NFL Combine that might be relevant players for the Dolphins. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Fins up. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Come on back and see us again tomorrow.